Before we jump into the text tonight, I want to pray, as we always do. I want to pray that the Spirit speaks to each one of us. I want to pray that the Spirit speaks to and through me. I also want to pray for the thousand-some popsicles that were just given away and the surveys that were taken of the freshmen that were walking by our building just a few moments ago. I also want to praise God. Uh, We're partnering with the Navigators Ministry to do popsicles and surveys. And this week they've been doing surveys and meeting with students, and they've had seven students decide to start following Christ already. So I want to praise God for that. And uh, Sarah also asked that we would pray that they would now um, be discipled and grow in their faith. So let's do that right now. Heavenly Father, we rejoice in who you are. Thank you for this time of worship. Thank you that we can open your word. Thank you that your spirit speaks to us. We recognize your spirit's presence here. We recognize your spirit's work here already tonight. And God, we pray that you would speak clearly to us. God, we rejoice with the angels in heaven, uh, as they do when sinners uh, turn and repent and receive the grace of God. God, thank you uh, for doing that in these seven students' life, and we pray that your word, spirit, and people would now disciple them and continue to teach them the ways of Jesus and teach them how to share that good news that they have received with others. We pray that that would just be the beginning of many students Uh, coming to know you as a result of this school year and the surveys that were just done, the popsicles that were just given. Uh, God, we pray that um, they would receive the living water that Jesus tells us about. We pray that they would receive a well of living water that springs up to eternal life, God. God, we pray that you would use us in any way you see fit to continue to reach students in all of Iowa City, even to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been going through this series in August as we're taking a look at our vision. We do this every August, and we're particularly focusing on four narratives from the book of Acts. And the reason we're focusing on these is because we want to learn about what God has for us as a church. At our members' meeting on June 25th, uh, Brooks and Josh, as our lead and executive pastor overall at Grace, laid a vision for, out for you that the future of Grace Community Church is independent churches that are connected to one another, but they are separate because we want to reach more people and we feel like that is the best way to do so. That means for us, instead of being one church in two locations, someday we will be our own church, Lord willing. I want to have lots of specifics about that for you. But A, I don't have them. And B, it's more important that we focus on what God is calling us to, no matter when we open our doors as independent, what our name is, or any brand or logo that we have. So it's important that we focus on these things. Next week, as our last sermon in this series, I'm going to give you more information, but I don't have all the information for you. But as elders of the church, we're committed to being transparent and just giving you the information as we have it. So we're going to give you the information we have about what God is calling us to. But before we do that, it's really important that we're focusing on who God is calling us to be because of the good news and because of the spirit that lives inside of us and because of the opportunities that we have here in Iowa City. As we start tonight, I'd like us to think about what holds us together. What holds us together in this room? What holds us together as followers of Jesus? This is an important question because the world has less and less things holding it together. People are more and more isolated. 
uh, working from home, schooling from home, more and more isolated lives, more and more loneliness that people are struggling with, and we have less and less things that are holding us together as a society and as a community. So what holds us together? This is a question not only for us, but it was a question for the early church as well. In the early church, after Jesus rose from the grave and ascended to be with the Father and sent the promised Holy Spirit, which we're reading about tonight, the church was forming around the reality of the resurrection of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit. And there were people coming together from different backgrounds. We see this very vividly in Pentecost. We saw this very vividly in our text last week. We have people coming together that are rallying around the Spirit's work, but they're coming from different tribes different languages, different people groups. This was a question that they wrestled with as well. What is going to hold us together to be the church of God, the church of Jesus? So Acts chapter two, I'm not gonna have it up on the screen. I'll put the reference up there, Um, but we are gonna be in chapter two. So if you would turn with me to chapter two, it's not gonna be up on the screen. Like I said, if you would, Turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to go through these verses that Maggie read for us tonight and um, take a look at what it looks like when the Spirit falls on the church. So Acts chapter 2, starting from the beginning in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So first, the day of Pentecost, we need to learn what that is. Usually, as New Testament believers, 2,000 years removed from this event, we think about Pentecost and we think of this, what's happening in chapter 2 of Acts, when the Spirit falls on the church and they hear the gospel in their native tongue. The day of Pentecost is something that already existed all the way back in Leviticus in the Old Testament, in the Levitical law. The Pentecost in the Old Testament was known by the Jewish people as the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Booths. This was a time where they would celebrate the harvest ending, and it was also 50 days after Passover. That's where we get the name Pentecost. Pentecost means 550. It's 50 days after Passover, and it's also celebrating the end of the harvest season. The Jewish people used this time as a time of feasting and celebrating what God had done when he delivered them out of the hands of the Egyptians and how he provided manna for them in the desert. So two themes of this day of celebration. The Jews know how to celebrate, right? The Jews know how to celebrate, eat lots of food, and celebrate what God has done. There were two things that they celebrated on Pentecost, the festival of harvest. The two things that they celebrated were God's deliverance, and God's provision. God delivered his people from slavery and then he provided everything that they needed, literally manna from heaven, things for them to eat coming up from the ground. So they used this time to celebrate their deliverance and their provision. So the day of Pentecost has arrived, they're all together in one place and then suddenly there comes this heavenly sound, a mighty rushing wind and it fills the entire house. This is the spirit of God coming just like Jesus had promised. He told his disciples, the ones that he loved and they loved him, his very best friends, the people that did ministry with him for three years, he said, it's better if I go away 
and go be with the Father so the Helper will come. As hard as that may have been for them to believe, this is what he was talking about. He was going to go and sit next to the Father, at the right hand of the Father, and send his Spirit to permanently reside in the church. We read here that they were all together in one place and suddenly something happened. Before we move on to verse three, we need to take note of two words or two phrases here, suddenly and altogether. To them, the spirit fell on them and it seemed sudden because they're praying like they'd been doing. And then all of a sudden, this heavenly wind or this heavenly sound, and we're about to see this heavenly vision comes into where they are. So to them, it seems suddenly, but also they were all together in one place. What were they doing in that one place? They were not playing video games. They were not just haphazardly eating together. They weren't twiddling their thumbs and wondering what they should do next. We know from the book of Acts that they were praying, that they were fasting, that they were breaking bread and taking communion together to remember what Christ had done for them. And they were waiting on the promised Holy Spirit. They were all together and suddenly the spirit comes. Look with me at verse three. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. This is what the Old Testament had prophesied, that one day the Spirit would come and rest on his people and that people would hear from the Lord. God tells his people, I will put my Spirit inside of you and it will rest on you as opposed to you having to go somewhere to visit or access my Spirit or the Spirit rushing on you. In the Old Testament, there's kind of two ways that we see the Spirit of God working. One is it resides somewhere and the people go and visit God's Spirit, or the Spirit rushes on someone and does a work and then seemingly goes away. But God in the Old Testament says, one day my Spirit will be in you. He also says, my Spirit, with my Spirit, that Spirit being in you, I will write my law on your hearts and I will put it in your mind. See, in the Old Testament, they would put the law of God on their doorposts. They would hang it in front of their eyes. They would hang it around their necks. They would write it in their homes. He says, I'm going to write it on your mind and I'm going to write it on your heart and my spirit is going to go with you. This is the promise of the new covenant. This is the promise of the indwelling spirit. In the Old Testament, wind, fire, the voice of God always is connected to Sinai and the law being given. So here we see the, this image of these tongues of fire as the spirit is coming and literally telling people the good news and writing the law on their hearts and minds as we are looking into what's happening. Verse five, now that we're dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this phrase, but if you go to Washington, D.C., like I did in May, this is like the thing that they talk about everywhere. And it's really kind of cool. Uh, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. 
This was the original motto of the Founding Fathers. So it is on our money. Uh, this is a quarter. It's also on the banner that the eagle is holding on our uh, paper currency. E pluribus unum, out of many, one. Meaning that the Founding Fathers from the beginning, their idea was that people would come together from different people and they would be many people, but they would form one people. This was their goal. It's kind of happened for some people and there's many good things that have come from this statement and this goal as a country, but there's many flaws in this system, see? Because it didn't really mean everybody, it just meant kind of the people we approve of or that are represented in the founding of our nation. But it was very inspiring to go to Washington, D.C. And remember, this is what we're supposed to be about. Out of many people, we're supposed to form one people. It's a beautiful image, but it's something that is very hard to accomplish. The spirit of the living God is doing that right here in Pentecost. Out of many people, many tribes, Jews from all these other people groups come together, they hear the spirit in their native tongue, and out of many, now they're one because they have the same spirit of the living God living inside of them. There is now something in common, something holding them together that is bigger than their language, their tribe, their skin color, their tradition. The spirit is now moving outside of their own people and their own language. And they were astonished and amazed, verse 7, saying, are not all those who were speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? And then uh, Maggie did a great job listing out all these places. I'm not going to list them for you. Again, she did a fine job the first time. All these people coming together. You, these locations may not mean anything to you, but if you look at a map from the first century, this is like the major regions of the Roman Empire that Jews lived in. Basically, he could have just said all the people from all the places, all the Jews from all the places were gathered together and they heard the gospel. They heard the spirit of God speak to them in their native tongue. And those who were speaking, it says they were Galileans. Now, either they were from Galilee or they were identified as Galileans because they were followers of Jesus. But what's significant about that is that all these people speaking the gospel, speaking the good news, they were speaking in one language and people were hearing it in their native language. This was particularly interesting because Galileans were hard to understand. They had uh, an accent that was difficult to understand, whether it was in Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic. It was difficult to understand. So they were Jews, but they were difficult to understand. Think people from New Orleans. They're from America, but they're speaking a different language, right? Garrett, am I right? Garrett's from Louisiana. He can vouch for this. That's what's happening with these Galileans. This is part of the miracle of what God is doing. These people hearing the gospel in their native tongue and now coming together and out of many becoming one and now having the spirit to hold them together is really an incredible act of the spirit of God. Because mankind had been going their separate ways based on language for centuries. It started at the Tower of Babel. 
where the known world came together and said, let's make a great name for ourselves. Let's make a city unto ourselves. Let's reach the heavens ourselves. And God scattered them and said, this is not what I told Adam and Eve to do. This is not what I told Noah to do. This is not what I told your people to do. So I'm going to scatter your languages and I'm going to send you out. And now you're going to be different people groups and you're not going to be able to talk to each other. Then thousands of years later, here we see this undoing of that curse, an undoing of the Tower of Babel as God brings people together for his purposes. See, he gave Adam and Eve the job and Noah the job and Abraham the job of filling the earth, filling the earth, multiplying and filling the earth. But God's people continue to segregate themselves, make their own people groups and draw further and further apart. And here the spirit of God is bringing them together. Jesus continued this theme or started this theme when he said his house would be known as a house of prayer. The Gentiles would be able to pray in his father's house. Paul writes about this in Ephesians saying that there's a dividing wall of hostility that has been broken down between us and God. So now there is a dividing wall of hostility that is broken down between us and our fellow man. This is a major part of the letters of the New Testament talking about the church, how they're supposed to come together and tear down dividing walls. Then we're told in the book of Revelation that someday some from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people will have a new name. Jesus will be their king and they'll worship him together. You see here that when they hear the good news. Look with me at verse 11. It says, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. The mighty works of God. We're about to read that some people saw this and said they're just drunk. But the people that heard the good news and the spirit interpreted it for them so they could hear it in their native tongue, they were amazed at the mighty works of God. The focus here of this incredible miracle, this incredible spirit movement, this spirit falling on the church, the incredible thing is that it was all about the mighty works of God. Verse 12, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. All heard the same thing, Some were really listening. This happens every time Jesus speaks. This happens every time the apostles preach in the book of Acts. This happens at Pentecost. When people heard Jesus, they felt a lot of emotions, but ambivalence wasn't one of them. When people heard Jesus, they were either amazed and perplexed at what they heard, and they were like, I want to worship him, but I got questions. Or they were like, let's throw that guy off a cliff. We see the same thing happening here at Pentecost. In light of this, because of what the Spirit is doing in the church to this day, because that Spirit work is still happening. The Spirit of the living God is still in his people. 
And he has written God's law and God's word and the good news on our minds and our hearts. And that spirit of the living God is constantly pushing us out to do the supernatural works of the spirit spirit to advance the good news of the gospel, to proclaim the mighty works of God. That's still what he wants to do. And because of that, as we move forward at Grace Downtown, we're going to be about praying for funding, sending to, and receiving the nations. This is what we're going to be about because this is what the spirit of God is doing. We're not going to do this to be trendy or woke or because it's a passion of this staff pastor. It's something God is calling us to be about because God is calling some from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. We live in the most diverse community in all of Iowa. We have the fifth most Congolese nationals in America. The international enrollment at the University of Iowa is the highest that it has been since pre-COVID. It's starting to bounce back. Because of this, we have people from other nations in our church, our neighborhood, our workplace, our school, our baseball team, our swimming pools, and our playgrounds. They work in the lab with us. They work at the hospital with us. It's not in case we ever run into someone from another nation. It's a part of our reality living here in Iowa City. I was taking a long bike ride the other day and I rode my bike through City Park. And if you've ever rode your bike through City Park, it's a beautiful like route and they've let the prairie grass grow up and it's a really beautiful ride. But one of the challenges is dodging geese and geese poop. Um, When you're on your bike, that's kind of a major part of it. Um, And I had my head down. I was working hard. It was really hot this week. I don't know if you noticed, but I was riding my bike and I had my head down and I'm sweating, trying to stay alive, you know, while I'm riding my bike. And I just kind of noticed out of the corner of my eye that ahead there are, I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of ducks all in one big herd. My first thought was avoid the ducks, but my second thought was why are all these ducks, I've never seen this here. There's usually like geese everywhere or ducks everywhere, but gathered all together. I'm like, what is going on? As I get closer, I realize that a um, grandma and her grandson seemingly uh, were feeding the ducks. That's a good way to gather a lot of ducks around you. I don't know if you've ever gotten food out around geese or ducks, but you don't just feed one right? You start feeding them and then they flock all around you. So all the ducks from all of the Iowa River, I assume, were right here in this big flock, flock, and they were eating because they were being fed. With 107 nations sending their students to the University of Iowa, with us living in the most diverse community in all of Iowa, There are people that need to be fed. There are many, many vast differences between these people where America is not their native home, but they are all far from home. They are all far from family. The majority of them stay in town during the summer when the domestic students go back home or go to the lake or whatever throughout the summer. They're here, right here in Iowa City. They need a sense of family. They need our hospitality. 
they need to be shown the good news of the gospel. We have an opportunity, we have a responsibility to be about the things that God is about. I want to assure you that we're not going to try and reach international students and internationals living here in Iowa City to the exclusion of our other ministry initiatives. It can be hard to think, how are we going to do all of this? Is this just another ministry initiative that we're going to have? We're not going to reach international students to the exclusion of our other ministry initiatives. We're going to reach international uh, students and internationals here in Iowa City through our ministry initiatives. Here's how. We do three things pretty well here at Grace Downtown, if I may brag on us for a moment. One is, I think we're pretty hospitable. I think we're pretty hospitable. We like spending time in each other's homes. As community groups are kicking off, as we're inviting new people into our home as the semester starts, I think we're a pretty hospitable group. We're also a smaller church, so it's easy to see when someone's new and we can meet them. I think overall, we're a pretty hospitable church. I think a second thing that we have going for us is that we sing loud. We sing loud. You can hear people singing here. And it's a beautiful thing. And there is no style of music that we could ever do that could reach the diversity of Iowa City. Um, there's no style of music we could have to meet the needs of everyone in this room even. That's why we focused on singing. Congregational singing. Singing the gospel, first of all to praise God, but then reminding one another of the gospel and even you're proclaiming the gospel to people that may not know it every time you sing. It's a beautiful thing that people can connect with no matter what country they come from or what style of music they like or they're used to. And the third thing is, I believe that we faithfully teach the word of God. That's not because I'm a great preacher or any of the other preachers claim to be great preachers, but we are faithful. And we try to stay close to the text. We try to keep you close to the text. We try to see that you are falling more in love with Jesus and the good news of the gospel and his word. And what better thing to offer people that are far from home, that need the good news, that need a sense of community, that need hospitality, than hospitality, singing loudly about the good news of the gospel, and faithfully hearing from God's word. So we're going to keep doing what we're doing, but we're going to do it intentionally and we're going to have a plan to reach more people. If we have a plan to reach more people, we're going to reach more internationals. We're going to have to try not to reach internationals instead. If we have a plan and we move forward with a plan, we're going to reach internationals unless we're trying not to. So we're going to have a plan. So what is the plan? What are the practices that we are going to practice in order to be a people that are about the things of God? First, we're going to focus on Christ, people, and hospitality, and not ourselves. Not ourselves, not our preferences. If you want to know the truth, I'm going to be really honest with you guys. When we heard the Congolese church praising downstairs two weeks ago, I wanted to go down with them. Because that's more my style. That's how I like to worship Jesus. I, I like to throw in a clap once in a while. 
Um, I know that's charismatic, but I, I really love to clap during worship. I may even like move a little bit sometimes when I worship. Um, I loved what I heard downstairs. I love how the Congolese church worships. I love how our Assemblies of God friends worship in Coralville at Life Church. We all have different preferences, but it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus and it's about reaching more people. We need to focus on Christ, people, and hospitality. Another confession. One of my biggest struggles, I have been able to put a name to this recently, is that I am really anal and type A about time. I always know what time it is. I really like being on time and I really like it when people are on time. Um, I like doing things in a fitting and orderly way only when it pertains to time. I wanna stay efficient, I wanna get things done, I wanna get people home at the right time after church. And sometimes it tells international students we're not hospitable because I'm rushing people out the door. Because I'm thinking about getting our volunteers home, I'm thinking about me getting home to my family, thinking about getting the kids to bed on time. And being so conscious of time is not being welcome to internationals who by and large do not run on my rigid time schedule. We're gonna have to set aside our preferences to reach more people. We're gonna focus on Christ, we're gonna focus on people, and we're gonna focus on hospitality. To report back to you from the Congolese church, I um, asked them how it went for them for us to worship up here while they worshiped downstairs two weeks ago. I got a three word reply from Pastor Bindo of the Congolese church. We loved it, exclamation point. So we're all on the same page there. That was a great, great time. Next, we are going to focus on partnerships with ministries and with people that are reaching people well with a plan. We are going to connect with other ministries that are already doing this well because there's ministries and people out there who have gifts or relationships or strategies that we don't necessarily have on our leadership team. And we're going to lean into that. We'll have more information for you on that coming up. Another way that you can practice this is by being an international neighbor. That's adopting an international student. Um, this is a program through the University of Iowa, but it's run primarily by Christians, and Christians basically adopt the majority of the international students. But they always have more students that sign up to have a host family um, than they have placements. They're not able to place all the international students that are looking. They have literally signed up and said, I want to spend time in an American family, and they don't find enough families. We need to be a part of taking care of that as a church. And in fact, there's a couple of ways that you can volunteer for this. You can sign up online. You can also talk to Jeff and Marilyn Thompson after the service. They are representing Wade Summers tonight and they will tell you about how to get involved with international neighbors. Also, Wade is doing this really cool thing where he's taking people right where they're at and he's putting them with other groups of people that are at their same learning stage when it comes to reaching international students. So he's building these little cohorts of people that are at different places in their knowledge of how to reach internationals. So I encourage you to get involved with that. 
Another practice that we're going to have is joining Harbor Network. We're exploring this year uh, joining Harbor Network Church Planting Network. They believe in helping churches get healthy and that healthy churches multiply and replicate themselves. Um, The way this is going to help us reach more people is that Harbor Network is 227 churches all over America. There are churches on college campuses. there uh, There are churches in the inner city. There are churches in the country. There are churches all over America. It's a diverse leadership team that leads Harbor Network. And so we are going to be able to expose ourselves to more churches and more people that love Jesus in diverse areas and have diverse perspectives all over America. So we think that's going to be a beneficial thing for our church. You're going to hear more about that this fall. Another practice is you can, oh, there's Harbor Network. There's their logo is you can join our ambassador team. The ambassador team is a new team we are forming here at Grace. It's basically going to be like um, a team that is an ambassador for missions. Uh, They are going to be ambassadors for those that we have already sent out on the field from this church and those that want to go in the future and also help our whole church be aware of what God is doing through missions. September 10th, after the service, uh, Rebecca Yeager is going to um, have a meeting of people that are interested in joining that ambassador team. You can talk to Rebecca after the service. She has a green lanyard on. She's sitting right up here. You can talk to her more about joining that ambassador team. Finally, we are going to make it a practice to share the good news. Are you like me? Is sharing the good news something you hope you get to do someday? Or you hope you have the opportunity to do? Or you hope someone asks you about Jesus someday? We need to have a plan. We need to have a practice. We're using that word very intentionally. Practice of sharing our faith. Not a hope, not a dream, not an aspiration. A practice. As I told you last week, my family had some time to spend uh, time with our friends that are um, missionaries in the Middle East. And there on the mission field, they have a practice that they call 4321. 4321, this is their practice. In 4321, over the course of a week, they pray for four hours for the lost. They spend three hours sowing seeds of the gospel and intentionally building relationships with people that are far from Jesus. They spend two hours a week in fellowship with other believers, and they spend one hour a week equipping themselves to share the good news with more people. That's a plan. That's an intentional thing that they hold one another accountable for. We say they're missionaries because they're people from another country sharing the gospel with people from another country. As long as the spirit of the living God is living inside of us, we're missionaries too, and we need to have a plan. A plan. We need to pray that God does only what he can do. We need to build relationships with people in such a way that we are helping them take steps closer and closer to Jesus. We need to equip ourselves to share our faith. If you remember last week, we talked about how the Jews were scattered because of persecution and globalization and God's will, but they'd only shared the gospel with Jews. They were scattered, but they hadn't shared with anyone outside of Judaism. We have an opportunity to share the good news with all of Iowa City and see something 
really amazing happen as we trust God at his word and as we practice sharing the good news. If God is calling some from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people, and we live in the most diverse community in Iowa, this is something that we need to be about. We need to have a practice of being good news people so we can be a part of what God is doing in our world and in our community. The band is going to come up and lead us in one more song. This uh, might be a song you don't know, but it's a great opportunity to learn a new song with rich words, but also a time to meditate on what God may be speaking to you. Um, You can sit, you can stand, however you feel led. We're going to worship him with one more song, and then I'll come up and close this with a benediction, a good word for you as we leave here today. Now that we have adored our Savior and looked at what Scripture says about him and his mission, let us hear a word from Jesus himself. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was gracious your will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light.